0: Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. Hey, November 3rd here at the Mile High Church campus or online, you can see Dan Harris, author of 10% Happier and host of the 10% Happier Podcast. He's talking mindfulness, meditation, self-care, and more. Learn more about this event and others at milehighchurch.org. It's Adventures in Faith, spirituality from the ground up, and our message today is In the Garden. Sam Lewis, an incredible American Sufi teacher, he once said the following, I feel like a gardener who one year planted a bunch of seeds and nothing grew, and then the next year planted more seeds and nothing grew, and then the next year planted more seeds and nothing grew. grew. And then this year, I planted some seeds and they began to grow. And so did the seeds from the year before that. And so did the seeds from the year before that. And here I am running around catching all that I can. And then God spoke to me and said, harvest what you can and I'll take care of the rest. I don't know about you, but I really resonate with that. All the time, we are planting seeds of intention into a creative mind, a soul or a soil that is seeking to bring forth those intentions. There's intentions I will set today for tomorrow. There are intentions of the heart that I planted years or perhaps even decades ago. There are seeds of frustration and uncertainty. Seeds of anxiety and seeds of trust. Seeds of faith and seeds of hope. No wonder it takes so much for the creative soil to work its way through all of our seeds and weeds and plants to bring forth our intention. And when I look at the broad view at my life, two words come to me, answered prayer. Answered prayer. These seeds didn't always grow the way that I asked them to, but they've worked through so much in my life, including my own limited consciousness, to answer those prayers. Is that true for you as well? I've planted broad seeds. Planted the seed to want to make a spiritual impact on the world and um, help as many people as possible. Planted the seed to want to spend the majority of my time with a beautiful woman who I have genuine affection for. I set seeds to, as an individual, live for causes and people greater than I am to humbly love and to serve. I never planted the seed to become a mile-high minister. It was uh, eight years ago this week, it was 2015, and uh, I was having a stressful day, I was uh, with someone in crisis and I was late to pick up my son from school, and I kept missing this call from the 720 number, and so I'm in the car, really busy, and I go ahead and answer the phone with that, who the heck is this consciousness, you ever do that? And uh, it was Roger Teal. Someone who I really, really admired. I had met one time but never had a conversation with. And so here is my opportunity rushing through traffic and ambulances whooshing by uh, to get to talk to Roger. And Roger invited me to come and speak at Mile High Church sometime in 2016. And I got to guest speak for you in April never was in my intentions and I remember picking my son up from school how was your day? It was fine. How was your day dad? And I shared well I just got a call from this minister I really admire and I get to go speak at our largest church in Colorado and his first response was when are we moving there? <laughs> and, and you can have those experiences in your life where you feel that creative soil starting to work beneath you and all around you. I didn't know what would happen, but something was happening, right? Maybe right now in your life, there's something that's blossoming if you're ready to step into it. See, for me, I don't just set seeds of intentions, but I think for all of us, there's a divine presence that rests seeds deep in our heart that are always seeking to grow so that we can embody and become our best selves. Thomas Merton, in his brilliant New Seeds for Contemplation, shares, the seeds that are planted in my liberty at every moment by God's will are the seeds of my own identity, my own reality, my own happiness, my own sanctity. To refuse them is to refuse everything. It is the refusal of my own existence and being, of my identity, of myself. Not to accept and love and do God's will is to refuse the fullness of my existence. I love that phrase, the fullness of our existence, rooted in you like the seed of an acorn, the most real soul possibility that we can step into if we can begin to view our life like a garden designed to answer our prayers. So I'm 27 years old and I'm as single as can be. And where where are my single folks? Where are you? You here? Everyone's going, oh, where? Hmm." And and there's that dichotomy of both wanting more than anything in the world a relationship and also wanting just as much to be rid of this wanting for a relationship. Maria Bamford, the great comedian, once said, I don't know if I want to get married or perhaps I just want to be put in a vat of warm rising bread dough. (laughs) Sometimes my wife refers to me as that. And so I'm frustrated, and I take out a pen and paper and decide I'm going to really write down what I want in a relationship. And I wrote down three things. The first is I want to meet her through synchronicity or fate. The second is I want that soulmate feeling. I want to feel like I've known her forever. And third, I learned this through a lot of trial and error I want her to feel the same way. Always a good idea. (laughs) And I looked at that list and I immediately realized that all three of those things were utterly and completely out of my control. That it would only be through tending to my own self and preparing for such a relationship that I would get it. And the real truth was, I didn't see it then, I see it now, is that the guarded of my life had already provided me just that. Her name was April. I had met her synchronistically 10 years before that. Not only did we already know each other forever, but we were already bonded and really understood one another's hearts and what we were about. And by some miracle, she just happened to feel kinda sorta the same way. But what I know about our relationship is that it happened when I was ready for it. If it would've happened a day sooner, I would have messed it up. And that can be so true in our life sometimes. We have to build that space. I had to grow a consciousness of coupledom. And my wife might tell you, even though I was totally faithful, I kind of behaved like a single person for several years in a relationship. She would have pointed out some material things as well, such as uh, it would have been a good idea if I had bought a bed. You know, When you go to bed watching Sports Center every night, who needs a bed? or I had yet to take that big bachelor rite of passage from Dustbuster to buying a vacuum. (laughs) But the relationship blossomed when we were both ready, and I'm so grateful it happened the way that it did. One of the best things we can do for ourselves in our lives is think like a gardener. When it comes to the garden of your life, think like a gardener. Ask yourself, what seeds am I planting today? What is a seed of intention that I want to plant in the creative medium of my life to come forward for me? Do you know what it is? Next, what is the environment that my seed, my plant, needs to grow? What is the time that it takes? What is the kind of attention that it needs? What needs to be cleared out, the weeds, to create space for this to grow? I want to step into this thing that serves me? Am I willing to let go of that which is no longer serving me? We cannot grow seeds of love, peace, and joy in a consciousness of despair. Am I willing to have an open consciousness To let that love or that joy that I'm seeking to bring forth in. Am I a healthy environment for my garden to grow? And then lastly, how today can I tend to my garden? How can I nurture those seeds? How can I create space? How can I pay attention to what's most important to me and what matters so that it can grow in incredible ways? In his classic, This Thing Called You, our founder, Ernest Holmes, in immortal words, he shares, guard well this garden of your mind. It is God's garden of your soul. It is your garden of Eden wherein may grow your fondest desires and hopes blossoming into fulfillment. Or if you permit the weeds of destruction, fear and doubt will choke out the beauty of hope until despair alone remains. Ugh. Watch carefully, then, this garden of your soul. Plant there only seeds of happiness, of joy, of peace, and of goodwill. Go often into your garden. Sitting under the tree of life in cool, quiet communion, you will find fresh inspiration. God himself will go forth anew into creation through you. A couple questions, if you're willing, to ask yourself every day this week ask yourself, what is really happening? What in my life today is really happening? How may it be connected to a seed of intention I have planted for myself? And what can I embody to nurture the formation of that seed into flower today? What in my life today is really happening? How might it be connected to a seed of intention I have planted? And how can I nurture that seed in flowering today? In other words, who am I called to become to focus towards nurturing what I want instead of getting caught up in the weeds of what I don't want? I never planted a seed of intention to be a stepfather, and yet I got to build a relationship with an incredible young boy named Gavin when he was five years old who just happened to be the son of April. And loving and caring for this kid was the most natural thing in the world to me. It's different when they're teenagers. Do you know who you never have to explain the theory of the multiverse to? Parents of teenagers. Because you can be in a car ride as close as can be with infinite galaxies between you. And yet Gavin, in his younger years, it was so clear what he was calling for in his life. Someone to love him, to see him, to wrestle with him, to uplift him, to support him. It was easy What I didn't realize at the time for me is he was the perfect person to teach me about something I'd been avoiding my whole life, family. He was the perfect person to teach me about the blessing of family. And yet, as easy and as natural as the relationship was, I had these mind weeds. Do you ever get these mind weeds? Stepdad, I don't know if I want to be a stepdad. Kids cost money, this is an investment. (laughs) There are so many other things I think I, I, I could be doing. All of these weeds, all, I'll say this about myself, ignorant and meaningless. Way too often we withhold the best of ourselves, waiting for some image to show up exactly like we thought it would, without the trust That our life is providing us everything we need to bring forth the best of who we are. There's no such thing as a so-called perfect garden. There is the life that is in front of us and the call to love and the biggest mistake any of us will ever make is refusing the life and the people and the opportunities that are presented to us to live fully and wholly and completely. And I'm so grateful for Gavin. Speaking of weeding, Karen Mazen Miller, a great Zen writer, uh, wrote a book a few years back called Paradise in Plain Sight, Lessons from a Japanese Garden, and she talks to us about weeding. She tells us, anchor yourself low to the ground so you can get a good look at what you're dealing with. Use a spade to loosen the hard pack and go deeper. The next part is tricky. Take hold of the stem and apply your attention, allowing the root to release. Haste and carelessness will only aggravate the situation. Sometimes you can get the root on the first tug. Other times you'll just tear off the top. Even if you don't get it all the first time, that's okay. It may take two or three, ten or twenty, one hundred thousand or a million times to get the root completely. Just keep going along like that, encountering the next weed that appears in front of you for the rest of your life. Keep tending that garden. What is really happening in my life today? What seed of my intention is this tied to? And how can I nurture my own becoming to get what I want in this situation? There's great wisdom in thinking like a gardener, But there perhaps is even more wisdom in thinking like a garden. Think like a garden. First way to think like a garden is that the garden doesn't worry. The garden doesn't worry. The garden's only intention is to bring forth the blessings that are within it to create life. Who of you, by worry, the master teacher said, can add an hour to his life? In the same way, worry does not help us. But when we think like a garden, only bringing forth the best that is within us, we bring forth the best in our lives. Another way to think like a garden is that the garden is always enough. The garden is always enough. The garden never concerns itself with what's going on in someone else's garden. Could it possibly be that all you have to do in your life is to tend to your own garden and let the rest take care of itself? All you have to do is tend to your own garden and the rest takes care of itself. Consider this. If I can tend to my own garden by meeting my own needs, others can taste the fruit of my labor. If I can tend to my own garden and meet my own needs, others can taste the fruit of my labors. If you're like me, sometimes we can get so caught up in wanting to help others at the depletion of our own being. But perhaps being of service to others is really a result and a byproduct of caring for our own being, of making an example of our own garden. Lastly, the garden never dies. The garden never dies. It cycles. Is death a real experience for the garden? Absolutely. But there's no such thing as a beginning, a middle, or an end. And as gardens, we will move through cycles and seasons of our lives. Some of us are in summer. Some of us are in winter. But recognize that the truth of who you are is always in the soil. Pruning, letting go, allowing the environment to change and transform. There is grief and mourning in this practice. And yet, the life, the light, the resilience, the spirit within you is the most eternal thing there is and the greatest heart of each one of us. Our lives are about growing our garden, but it's also about allowing our garden to grow us. You tend and grow your garden, and your garden grows you, and it's amazing what demonstrates itself. I had one of the greatest demonstrations in my life five years and two weeks ago when our daughter, Nancy June, was born. Here I am, happiest moment of my life, and I experienced that with my daughter. No matter how challenging or good a day is, every time I see her is the happiest moment of my life. It's just awe-inspiring. And I don't know if I've shared this before, but I'm not sure we would have had Nancy June if we hadn't moved to Colorado. There's something that happens in life, and this it was just, you know, one aspect was we, we moved from a two-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom rented home. There's something when we create that space in our lives, when we step up into bigger things, even into the mystery and the, of the unknown, that we create this space and it's there sometimes. We weren't even looking for them but the greatest blessings of our life occur. As you grow your garden, your garden grows you and magnificent things take place. What I mean to say that by that as well is as you're you're using your creative mind within the creative medium of the soul of life, we nurture our relationship with God. We have a true experience of co-creation, and we begin to experience the true blessings—not of life, but of, uh, not just of life, but of, but of being alive itself. Our Amish brothers and sisters—they tell us that the way to get closest to God is to get into the soil, get into the earth—and that's my charge for us today, both physically, literally, and metaphorically in the garden of our own consciousness. Get into the soil. Get into your life. Recognize yourself as a creative, powerful being and know that there is a divine possibility in all that you do to get closer with divine source and presence. Lastly today, Karen Miller shares four rules for participating in a mindful garden. She initially came up with these for kids, visiting her Japanese garden, but I'm encouraging us to apply them when exploring the gardens of our own mind and our own consciousness. First, be kind. What a novel idea. <laughs> Instead of raging through the garden of my mind in a panic with a, with a pitchfork, Shaming myself, criticizing myself, questioning myself. What if I practice kindness and compassion in the garden of my own mind? If I could just do that, if you could just approach your own mind and consciousness with kindness, you would be infusing it with the greatest growth material possible. Practice kindness in the garden of your mind. Second don't throw rocks. <laughs> Good rule. Speaks to us of the idea, not that there may, not, there may be hundreds of people to blame in your life, but there's nothing constructive about blame when it comes to nurturing and bringing forth the best of what is in your own garden. Take all that energy you may put into blame and put it into harvesting your best qualities your desires and intentions, the best of yourself. Next, no running. We don't move through our gardens quickly, but mindfully, patiently. If you run too fast, you're going to slip in the mud. You're going to be lying in the turds. (laughs) You're going to be picking plants that need more time to grow, mistaking them as weeds. No running. Give yourself equanimity and composure while moving through your garden. And lastly, pay attention. We forget that sometimes. That the best way to be in your garden is to look, to listen, and then ask what does this garden need most to grow? And as we give it what it needs, it begins to provide for us the blossoms, the fruits, and the best of our lives. So moving into a closing prayer today, I invite any of our prayer practitioners to stand with me. And again, just bring, bringing our mile-high heart to the Dalby family today. We affirm in this time of letting go of grief and of loss, an eternal and undying love, knowing that the best of who Brad is is in those he loved and those who love him, and that as his spirit moves into greater beingness in realms perhaps unknown, I know that the best of his love continues to nurture and to communicate with those who care most about him. And I know these truths for us as well, that there is a divine love a divine recollection of the truth of who we are that is ever available to us, and that as we remember and bring it forth through the garden of ourselves and the garden of our lives, it provides healing, forgiveness, connection, and joy. And just grounding this experience today back into our wonderful spiritual practice, I invited Reverend Zamira to close our prayer.
1: And in this moment, moving into the center of your heart, just connecting there and feeling that communion, allowing this recitation of ya gani to nurture and to nourish the seeds that you are planting there, to nourish them with love. Ya gani ya So
0: it is. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.